Hi, folks. Chris Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. The Chris Voss Show. .com. Here we're coming here with another great podcast. Certainly appreciate you guys tuning in. Be sure for the show to your friends, neighbors, relatives. Go to youtube.com. Of course, that's Chris Voss. Hit that bell notification button. Go to iTunes, Google Play. You can tell folks they can subscribe there as well as the Spotify where you can listen to the Lawrence Welk Show, the Chris Voss Podcast, and then go listen to, I don't know, Dolly Parton because why not? Anyway, thanks for tuning in. We certainly appreciate all of you. And as always, we have the best and most interesting guests. I uh, showed up or appeared on this gentleman's podcast a couple weeks ago, and uh, we have him on. He's written over 14 books. Damn, that's a lot of writing. His name is Mark S.A. Smith. You've probably seen him on the interwebs or speaking at different events and things of that nature. Welcome to the show, Mark. How are you today? Thank you, Chris. I'm delighted to be here, I think. Are we all? <laughs> let's face it it was kind of funny we uh to give those of you who uh, weren't in the pre-show uh we were having a lot of fun me and mark and i think we did the better part of the show after that we're gonna have to see how this turns out <laughs> i expect for it to be great we just got warmed up the good stuff is yet to flow out we got just warmed up that's, that's what it was we were warming up the pre-show is the warm-up or um but uh that's what i tell my girlfriend and she's not happy um, so anyway, the uh, 14 books, uh, you've got some behind you, I think. Uh, I do. Yeah, yeah. Just, just some plugs what, in on those what, books. Well, what, what it means is you. that I have no life. Uh, well, you are married. I know that. So <laughs> that's a given. Um, but let's get some plugs. Let's get some websites. Where let's get, a, let's get some stuff. It's actually pretty fun. I was fortunate enough to write some books with Jay Conrad Levinson, uh, Mr. Gorilla Marketing. First one started off with uh, trade show selling. Now, the interesting thing about trade shows is that you essentially run a 15-second funnel. 15-second funnel? Right, because you have a second and a half as people walk by your exhibit to grab their attention. Mm -hmm. And you've got about three seconds to ask them a question to see if they're somebody you want to talk with. Mm -hmm. And then you've got about 10 seconds, 11 seconds to figure out if they're going to hand you their business information so you can follow up with them afterwards. Mm -hmm. So really, it's all about how do you run a fast funnel? When you're trying to do business, I thought a fast funnel of trade show was when I meet those hot booth babes and uh, I ask to take my picture with them. Is that's that like a different thing? Yeah, it's kind of a. Di it's more of a feel than a funnel. That's a that's a feel funnel. Yeah, it's a feel funnel. That would explain funnel. why the judge says I can't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not allowed it at uh, certain events. I'm not allowed at CES anymore. No, I'm just oh no, I know you're going to be there. So they, they just they just they tie your hands before you go in there. Well, yeah, well, they did after the, those handcuffs involved, so there was that. But, well, uh, you know, the other aspect of CES is with the virtual reality, the augmented reality, you can do anything you want as long as you got the glasses on. Pretty much, pretty much. I mean, that's how the uh, adult uh, industry, I forget what it's called now, so I can't pull this joke. Uh, <laughs> here. Was, was the adult industry conference not the throw you under the bus? That you oh, would... oh, yeah. Well, I, I, I've never attended, although I have sure. seen the talent pass through the hotel lobbies. Yeah, have we all? Um, <laughs> welcome to Vegas. I, uh, it should be noted that we both live in Vegas, so indeed. I'm not sure why the hell we aren't doing this together live. Uh, separated by 15 minutes of drive time. That's, that's about it. The ultimate white male laziness in our part. Um, so we, we just couldn't commit that much to the show. <laughs> came down to it. Yeah, 
that just means I have to break down, bring my microphones and all that kind of stuff. That's but, true. But, you know, another time, maybe we'll do a, something from the CES we should. show we should floor. We should do a, a combined show. Yeah. Uh, I'm supposed to get down to SEMA. I, I have a press badge for SEMA, yeah. and I'm doing this uh, special thing called being fucking lazy right now. And I, I'm every day I'm like, I should get up and go to SEMA. And then I'm like, but mm, then I'd have to like walk around and like dress talk up to people, talk to people. And yeah. well, although, what, what would tell know, our listener what SEMA means and why it's an important show? Yeah, for, at this point, they're thinking SEMA. That must be another adult, uh, <laughs> adult show, the SEMA show. It's a collection, yes. Yeah, SEMA is what, it, what does SEMA stand for? Right? It's something like a, a like car in, car engineering association of America. It's a car show. It's, a, it's the biggest car, it's car show. It runs it runs for ten days and takes over the entire city. Yeah, and there's a lot of booth babes. In fact, I just oh, remind why they fly I to they fly them in. Yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, note to self: go to SEMA today. <laughs> um, so, Mark, give us a website that people can look you up and stuff. And, of course, they can probably get your books on Amazon, I'm sure, right? Well, absolutely. They sure can. Actually, um, what is it on uh, Amazon? The, the, Amazon, just Mark, Mark S.A. Smith. You can find uh, my books that I have currently for sale up there. And uh, I just realized that this book I handed you has my has the my daughter's name written when she was like three years old. That's Susan. how old this is. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so you can go to Amazon, uh, you can go to bijaco.com where you can find lots of information about me or just connect with me on LinkedIn. But now we shouldn't be doing the plug stuff first. We should be talking about cool shit so people know why they want to connect with me. Well, we always do the plugs at the beginning so people can look you up because God knows they're not looking at my fashion <laughs> podcast. So I give them something to distract them. Um, it's a distraction technique. Um, and uh, yeah. It's it's my version of a caravan. You're not going to believe this, Chris. I just looked up SEMA, just like the DJs do on you know when you careful on the spelling. It's S E M A, and it's the Specialty Equipment Market Association, Specialty Equipment Market Association. So it's fundamentally aftermarket stuff for cars. Yep. Yeah, it's for people who want to build, who want to take their cars and build cool stuff on them or weird stuff on them. Yeah, that's it. That are just people want to go look at booth babes. I got to yeah. remember to go there now. Yeah. Um, clearly, you have booth babe on the mind now. You do. Yeah, yeah. go uh, get, get some pickups and yeah, some swag right. from the yeah, booth babe. Somehow. All right, cu- cu- a couple other books here. We'll just look through these things. We have Gorilla Teleselling. How do you get? How do you create a relationship when you can't be there yeah. in person? Uh, then the Gorilla Negotiating, which is an interesting book in that this is the antidote to all the dirty tricks that buyers play on us. So nice. most negotiating books are how do you get a better deal? This is how do you keep more margin? How do you uh, resist that, hey, I need to, I can get it cheaper somewhere else kind of stuff? And mm-hmm. if you want to, we can go down that rabbit hole if you want to do that. That's um, awesome. A couple of well, other books. Want, yeah. So you guys wrote a lot of books regarding the, the guerrilla marketing sort of tactics, the guerrilla yeah. marketing sort of approaches. Um, do you have one for guerrilla dating? That's the one I need. You know, there is one out there. I didn't write it, but there is a guerrilla dating guerrilla book dating. that has Jay's name on it, written by another guy who probably single still. Now, of course, I'm not. I, I, make sure those of you who are listening in the audience are not seeing this visually. I'm not referring to gorilla. I'm referring to gorilla. Yeah, that's right, gorilla. As in the freedom fighter. Gorilla. Yeah, I, we're not. We're not advocating bestiality in any way, shape, or form on the show. Um, even though I am bringing up dating me, 
Uh, so there's that. But, uh, <laughs> a couple of geek books that I did. Linux in the boardroom. This thing was written for a long time ago for executives who thought they might want to bring Linux into their world so they don't have to pay Microsoft their egregious taxes. Another follow-up book, Security in the Boardroom. And this is an early book on cybersecurity. Interestingly, I'm uh, going to be turning this into a continuing education course for CPAs. Wow. Weird. Uh, then the latest book, this one's for the IT world, called From MSP to BSP. MSP is Managed Services Provider to BSP Business Services Provider. I had to pick up from profit from IT. Now, this book is going to be rewritten as a generic book. This is all about how do you sell complex, expensive stuff. Oh. Uh, I know that you know our listeners are typically geeks and freaks and people who build really cool stuff. And if you just take that part off of it, this is teaches you how to sell that exec that exotic technology that we all know and love. <laughs> MSP and what? Give me the book title again. MSP sure, and- it's, it's from it's from MSP to BSP. Yeah, MSP I stands for. Inoculation for that. Um, I probably you probably did. It's a sexually transmitted disease, isn't it? Well, that would be STD. <laughs> and, and you know, with the this TSA making people take their shoes off, now there's sexually transmitted diseases. Yeah, That's yeah. It's a new level of STD. You travel through the airport. They're like, you have to take your shoes off, and I'm like, oh man, I didn't wear socks. This is gonna be nasty. Yeah. Walking around the airport with everyone's feet like that. That's You've it. written a lot of books. I mean, this yeah. is pretty prolific, man. And a bunch of other books, too, that my name's on the inside versus the outside. So, you know, ghostwriting type of stuff. Is that people um, writing about you? No, or no, no. I, I, wrote for, I write for other people. But, you know, that, those are actually extremely profitable books because they get paid in advance and I don't have to worry about book sales. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I like kind that. Of, kind of a cool way of doing it. Bottom line is it's easy for me to crank out a lot of words. But that's not why we're here today. What shall we talk about that our listener is going to want to go, wow, I'm so glad I tuned in and not just listen to two old white guys babble. That's pretty much what the name of this podcast is. Two old white guys, <laughs> two old white guys, two old white middle-aged guys babble whose lives are completely over. And Yeah, pathetic. Yeah. Our job is to make our listener military. feel less pathetic. Yeah, yeah, because God knows <laughs> We, it should be just one guy talking to <laughs> cranky old men. That's probably the name of the upcoming podcast we have. Uh, tune in, tune in after your uh, Metamucil kicks in, and uh, we're sponsored. You know, we can probably get some good sponsors for that because there's a lot of there's a lot of people now. I mean, the the that middle aged old market. There's a lot of stuff going on there. I mean, that's where everyone's at right now with those yep. baby boomers retiring. Yep. Just a Bunch of, ba- bunch of baby boomers where everything has stopped working. Yeah. So they're willing to buy stuff that promises to make it work again, although it doesn't. We can get Metamucil signed up, Depends diapers. Oh, yeah. Um, Insure. Viagra. You know, you know, I, I actually could use a Viagra sponsor, come to think of it. Yeah, but um, get your numbers up. I am 50 now, so <laughs> it's getting a little hard to chase those 20-year-old girls around the room. <laughs> <laughs> so it's getting a little harder to chase around the room. Um, so let's talk about. Uh, well, let's pick one of your books and talk about. It. How about that? Well, let's let's talk about uh, the one of the concepts that in this latest book is the concept of high uh, consideration sales versus low consideration sales. If we want to get, uh, get oh, yeah, tactical yeah. for just a moment, so here's the here's the problem that we face today. Um, virtually everything that we sell requires multiple people to say yes 
before we can get the deal. And in the world of consumers, rarely is there just one person, unless they're single, uh, the, the person who has to say yes. There usually are multiple people involved, spouse, perhaps children are involved in the decision. Sounds like my dating life. Yep. Well, that's, that's what it is. Well, here's the deal. You ask the person that you're with, where do you want to have dinner? And they say, I don't know. Where do you want to go to dinner? And Sounds like my dating life. <laughs> so, you know, you name a restaurant and they go, no, I don't want that. Well, then why did you ask me where I wanted to eat? Yeah. And so I don't care. We, have to, we, we come up with list after list after list of, of restaurants that I don't care wants to go to. And we usually settle on, uh, on Cheesecake Factory because of its worn piece size menu can satisfy everybody. Although I think I think the food sucks, but um, I think it sucks too. I don't. But at least you go to the same place, and you know the drinks don't suck. That's the good news. Yeah, that's that's usually the main thing. You're just like I'm so sick of negotiating. Where are we gonna go eat? I don't like here. I don't like there. I don't like here. What the fuck do you like? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. So there's this challenge that we face where people have a different yes set to agree. You know what it is? It's a yes set. What are you going to say yes to? That's the yes set. And, you know, that yes, yes set is usually not just one thing. It's a number of things. And mm-hmm. we have to figure out what those things are that cause them to say yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, like frequency, frequently with my wife, you know, I, I, she says, what do you want for dinner? I said, sushi. She said, I had it yesterday. Well, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I thought this was about what I want. Well, and, and it's no big deal. It's just that her yes set was not that today. And so when we sell things to people, we have to figure out what their yes set is so that we can then address our product to their yes set. Uh So what I've gone to then is, you know, so what type of flavors are you looking for? You want sweet, you want salty, you want savory, you want vegetables, you want fresh, uh, you want pickled. What's that kind of flavor profile that you're kind of going for? And then, then, based on that, I can make a recommendation. I, can, I think I can live with. And, and then the interesting things th- these days is that we, we're, we walk this line between what we want and what we will tolerate. Hmm. That sounds like your dating life yet again, Chris. That sounds like my dating life. Right? <laughs> sounds, like the, sounds like some of the women at my age who are older than me that approach me on Bumble. <laughs> Bumble. What we want and... What we can't get drunk enough to put up with. What we can tolerate. It's, it's an interesting concept. Is uh, We don't have to be perfect. We just have to be tolerable. Just have to be tolerable. You know, what's interesting, too, about this concept is there's also, there's also a reverse factor of that. I have this place that I go to that they make these great burgers on the corner. And I go there a lot, clearly. Uh, you can just look at me and tell that information. Yeah, you are the Burger uh, King. Huh? You are the Burger King. Oh, uh, yeah, something like that. Uh, tell that to my dietitian. So, uh, Why, do you date her too? There, every time I go there, they always ask, the, whoever's working there always asks me the same thing. And they go, what do you want on your burger? And I go, I want everything except for the lettuce. And I want the grilled onions and not the raw onions because it's kind of stupid to get the grilled onions with the raw onions. It doesn't make any sense, right? So, I, but I go, I want everything but the um, lettuce, because I'm against lettuce. Um, yeah, and, uh, yeah. it's, it's, not, it's not racial, it's just political. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it said no lettuce, 
and I want grilled onions, not the thing. That's not that hard to do. Well, the problem is they have on their menu screen like 20 things they have to hit. I don't, maybe they do this because they're fucking lazy or something. But but they'll like they'll be like, so you want everything? I'm like, yes, everything except for the lettuce. And they're like, you want the pickles? Yeah, I think that's included in everything, buddy. Do you want the ketchup? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want the I want I want. They do this every time. They argue with me about the thing. What is that called? It's like reverse something. I. I think what it's called is is people that have a menu think. If it's not on the menu, they can't do it. Well, it's on the menu. It's just, I, it's like they don't trust me to know that I want everything. Yeah, yeah. I, I tell, I, have to tell like I want, I want, I want, yes. I want everything, including the jalapenos, and I'll just take off what I don't want. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> what you do. But it, it's just the concept of all. They're just like, you want everything. Yeah, like I, I don't know what that is. I don't know whether that's a projection of like, well, I wouldn't eat that, or I wouldn't have it that way. Well, it's entirely possible it's a projection. I think you're right. Yeah. So maybe it's the reverse of what you're talking about, where you ask them, well, what do you want? They're like, I don't know. And then you go, well, do you want the pickles? And they're like, no. And you're like, well, you know, make up your mind. I don't know. But, you know, it could be. Uh, we'll get philosophical in just a moment. Ooh, we're going to go deep. Better tie them two by four to your backside so we can get back out. The, the reality is that more people make decisions by doors closing than doors opening. Hmm. Sounds like my dating life. <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> there it is. So, so most people make their by doors closing. So, is it because they need to eliminate the options so that's they it. have fewer options because that's of the option? That's it. They get option overload. Yeah, that's exactly right. And frequently, what happens is people who are selling technology will present you with a brochure that is just so rich and deep and all the speeds and feeds and bits and bytes and flashing lights and ABs and trays and cables and arrays. The problem is that a customer confused cannot yeah. choose. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and so we're way, way, way better off not giving them stuff and started asking questions about, do you, do you like pickles? No. Okay, then I'm not going to show you my pickles. Yeah. And <laughs> I love it. This is an entire setup to discuss Chris's dating life. Well, so far, it's still funny. I guess the show will end when we stop so being fun. funny about Chris's dating life. But here's the challenge is a lot of people that they show up with too much information. It's like you going to the doctor and the doc says, hey, Chris, check this out. Fuck. He lands on the counter a book that's four inches thick. He says, Chris, this is the physician's desk reference. Every drug that I am licensed to prescribe is listed in this book. <laughs> Let's see. What do you want to take home today? That sounds like my kind of doctor, actually. Yeah. It actually sounds like my dating life. <laughs> um, the, uh... Well, that doesn't help solve your problem. It doesn't, but um, I don't know. You know, I, I did learn this a long time ago that on sales, that you can overload the customer with too many options. Too fast. And it's better to give them an either-or sort of option or maybe two or three options as opposed to uh, 50 million options. And exactly. I, I found that sometimes I've gotten really overly creative because a lot of times when I do uh, proposals, I'll do a la carte proposals. I'll be like, well, here's a proposal where you can – 
have this, or you can, you know, have some more options up it here, and then there's more value in it. Uh, and I try and create at least two or three of those, but right sometimes I've been overly creative at like, let's make a la carte options. And you make so many and the client's just like, uh, I got back to you. And then you email them later and you're like, do you get a chance to make a decision? They're like, I'm still trying to read your email, man. Uh, <laughs> and you're yeah, like, look, you gotta just make it easy. Give me some money. I'll figure it out for you and we'll be okay. And they're like, I don't, whatever. So they, 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 buyers do like a simplistic thing. They do. Um, and if you think back to the old Sears and Roebuck methodology, which worked for decades until they dropped the ball, uh, they had good, better, and best. They had three types of flavors for every product that they brought to market. Mm-hmm. And they sold primarily better and best. And good was just there to set up better and best is uh, what's the difference? Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, well, I don't want the low part. Right. I, I don't want good is not good enough. You know, I at right. least want good, but geez, if I'm going to pay for good, then I might as well get best. Right. Yeah. Exactly good. right. It's a strategy. Um, and it still works that way. In fact, if you take a look at most online sellers, they have a three product offer. So is three the optimal? Well, it, it certainly seemed to be so because you got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Well, okay. So we go to the highest power, three is the optimal choice. Uh, I guess so. <laughs> it ends up. I didn't that realize three. that was the baseline that we were drawing. From. We're like we're, we're the top one. Around everything. <laughs> hey, hey, if we're gonna if we're gonna get philosophical once in a while on the Chris Voss show, Father, I, Son, and the Holy Ghost sounds like right. getting life on three. Right. <laughs> three choices. <laughs> um. So, so the, the, the answer is that actually three is good. Three the is dating life choices for Chris. Um, <laughs> three, three is a good a good strategy because people can I handle. Dated twins. I never dated triplets. So I, the jury's still out on that one. All right. Well, maybe put that on your bucket list. It is actually on my bucket list. <laughs> uh, but I digress. And, um, and as you usually do, which is one of the reasons why we listen. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to go into the choosing stories uh, on that. Uh, but, but so anyway, so what's the, what's the best approach in using what you're talking about? And um, do you have advice on how I can negotiate with a girlfriend or wife better when they say, where do you want to go out to eat? Is it, is it better to question them and go, yeah. well, what do you feel like eating? Do you yeah, feel right. like pickles? That's it. That's it. Not honey, not tonight, honey. I have a headache. Um, do you feel like uh, going out for drinks? Yes. Yeah. That's usually, it. usually the way it worked with my girlfriends would I would be like, "Where do you want to eat tonight?" I don't know. And you're like, "Well, do you want to go to the taco place?" No. Do you want to go to McDonald's? No. You want to go to Taco Bell? No. You want to go to the expensive oyster bar? Yes. Yes. Uh, okay. Let me yeah. guess. I'm paying. <laughs> I want you to take me some to someplace that's expensive. We went to the airport. Yeah, <laughs> go to the airport, and then you can get McDonald's burgers for twenty bucks a pop. That's exactly burgers. right. That's where they. That's where the source of the original twenty dollar burger. Who knows anybody who does that? Like they show up at TSA and they're like, "I'm not really here to fly, but I just really like to to pay for expensive food here at the. I just eat at the airport." That's that's it. Well, well, certainly in Denver that's the case because in Terminal B is Elway's Steakhouse, oh yeah, which is actually one of the best places to get food on yeah. the planet. It's in the airport. Now Elway's also has places outside that, but it's fantastic food, and they have intelligent wait staff. 
which is unheard of in most airports. What do they do? Like do EMC squared for you and like they round can. off they can. Shit like that? Well, well, where else? I've never been to another airport where I can get a barrel-aged Manhattan. A barrel-aged Manhattan? Barrel-aged aged man. It's called uh, Elway's Manhattan, and it's... I stop in there even. I have a 15-minute uh, connect between flights just because it's so damn good. So, but, but no, they're just intelligent. They know how to, they know how to, it's a, when you say, I want everything except for lettuce, they know what that means. Are you, are you saying that other waiters, that other restaurants are dumb? Uh, low cognitive capacity is, is the way that I like to express that. <laughs> I hate to be and a- the reason why is because dumb people go, yeah, what he said. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Like every time I go there, they have to argue with me. Yeah. Is it because I'm overloading them with options? Is that all that it is? Maybe maybe it is. uh, Put ketchup and mustard on it. I need to give them two choices. Is that how it works? You know, maybe. Or or just may be that they just like to mess with you. So this is really my fault. Here here comes Chris, man. We're going to mess with him today. (laughs) You know what? You know, I think what it is, they're looking at me going, seriously, do you really need everything? I mean, (laughs) are you doing yourself in the mirror? You eat everything. No wonder you want all. Holy crap. Like, cut back. We're trying to give you a hint here, buddy. Like, uh, you know, maybe maybe cut the pickles off or something or the meat or Jesus Christ. Have you weighed yourself lately? Well, if you're going to leave any one thing off the burger, probably the mayonnaise would be the choice. Or perhaps the cheese. I'm not even sure if they put mayonnaise. I know they put cheese on there. Yeah. Maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe they're judging me. And they're just like, you really want everything? Like, clearly you've had everything. Hmm. You really need more? <laughs> Seriously. Get a mirror. <laughs> Scale at home, buddy. Yeah. And you're asking them to take off the things that have the fewest number of calories. I think what it is is they're just fucking lazy. Yeah, well, there is that. They're millennials, and and I'm asking the press. I, I, I think what it is is they, they don't have, like, an all button on the thing. and Because yeah. they literally do this. I'm not kidding you. They take the little – they have one of those sales machines that are kind of the new ones, you know. It's got, like, a little iPad touch yeah. system on it. And they literally spin it around to me, and they go, you, you want all this? And there's, like, little buttons that they have to hit on each one. Yeah. And so, I think what it is, they're just fucking lazy. They're just like, I'm going to have to hit every one of these buttons because he wants all. And like, they'll even be like, you want the peppers? Yeah, I want it all, man. And maybe the thing to do is say, spin that machine my way and let me order my burger. That's what I should do. No order tip for you. Damn burger. And then you know what's funny is they always ask for a tip. They spin the thing around and they go, uh, do you want a tip? And I'm like, what? You're not going to. I, I hate this new this new age of people that think they get a tip for doing what they're supposed to. Like I understand, I understand, and it's appropriate that, that I get a tip if you serve me at my table. You bring me my food. You you refill my beverages. You did you, your job? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I, you are worthy of a tip at that point, especially if you put up with me um, because I drink a lot and clearly I ate a lot. Um, but but. <laughs> But uh, there's weight jokes and dating Chris jokes today. That's pretty much where we're at. Um, and Mark Smith. Um, so I understand you need a tip, but this bullshit that because you sold me a $5 coffee at Starbucks, like Starbucks has got this annoying thing on their app that they come out with where it hounds you for like the rest of the day on your phone saying, uh, did you want to leave a tip? You have six hours to leave a tip. Whoa, no way. You haven't seen what, that? For doing your J-O-B? 
Yeah, yeah, you, you know, tips. You're, tips. you're selling me a goddamn five dollar fucking coffee. Right. I, I think right. you got you got plenty of margin there. Yeah. To pay for you your people. Brew this shit. You just squirt it out of a squirter thing. I know how this is. It's just syrup. It's yeah. not like they're like. <laughs> Yeah, you're pumping syrup into a glass. Syrup, adding some water. Here's your stupid latte, motherfucker. So here's um, a, a bit of arcane knowledge for you. TIPS stands for to ensure prompt service. Really? Really. I saw this video online one time that it's actually based on racism. It could be. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that as well. Don't know for sure, but the I idea was true. that... Well, Seems it was, like something the Americans would do, though. Well, there was this. It, it goes back to the railway days, <clears throat> and yeah. uh, and and people of color serving food on railways who were seriously underpaid, and it was a yeah. way to to improve the uh, to reduce the perceived laziness, and to that was to ensure prompt service. That was the concept. Yeah. So, <clears throat> but I'm not so sure it's racist. I think it was actually people taking care of people. Yeah, I, I would think so. I mean, I mean, to me, I've always equated it to, to if someone's going to um, do a little bit extra for you, like certainly there's, you know, I, I've had those waitresses or waiters where where they go take a smoke break for half an hour in the back, and you're like parched, dry. You're like sitting at a table. Oh, I'm choking on the chicken. I can use some water. Right, you know, the Sahara Desert has moved into your mouth after you've uh, down the uh, bean dip, and uh, you're just like, "Hey, man, can I get some water to wash this down?" And and uh, and then, of course, you have the really great waitresses that are super attentive, almost annoyingly so. Like, I always get those ones when I go to some of the places for breakfast, where you you get your coffee mixed just how you want it. You get that perfect mixture of cream and sugar and 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 it's got that perfect flavor and you're like about three quarters of the way through that thing just a little bit's gone and they come by and they want some coffee ah fuck give me your formula <laughs> right <clears throat> and so i'm always jamming my hand and hey stay away from my perfectly mixed coffee you evil no in that case you have to put an anti-roofie device on your coffee to keep them from putting in the Pretty much. stuff yeah. I don't know. For me, roofies and coffee, that's just what we call Wednesdays around here. <laughs> uh, that will do, for sure. I'm not sure why I'm roofing myself, but it is Vegas, after all. It, no, it is. Yeah. And, uh, and there's a lot of people that count on being roofied here. At least that's what they say to their spouse when they go home. Uh, that's My girlfriends used to do that. I'd be like, uh, tonight, honey? And they're like, yep, oh, I'm roofied. Um, and you're like, well... Okay. What a what a wide ranging conversation we zombie sex again tonight. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. Kind of like when, it's kind of like what's that drug they take for sleeping? What Ambien? Yeah, the Ambien. See, I've read the PDR. Is that a PDR? The, the the physician's desk reference. That's a callback oh, earlier in the show. Beer, like I've actually perhaps. read that. The weirdest thing that I read in the, in the physician's desk reference was there was a drug at one time called cobroxin, and it was designed for cancer patients to provide them extreme pain relief, and it was based on cobra venom. Cobra venom? Cobra venom. That's one way to go, I guess. And the way that they dosed it was called in rat units. Rat and units. a rat unit is how much it would take to kill a rat. 
I am not kidding you. And, the, and they gave this to people? They, give, they would give this to terminal cancer patients. Of course, this was back in the 70s. When I was a kid and I had free time on my hand and I read shit like the physician's desk reference. But uh, I, I know, I'm a weird guy. Lots of weird stuff. You so there you go. Yeah, may, maybe so. Weird shit that I've learned that nobody cares about. <clears throat> but Ambien is the stuff that people that puts people to sleep and made Roseanne tweet about uh, Valerie Jarrett. And, of course, her show is gone. And, the, and apparently the, the Connor show is off the air as well. It will be soon. Oh, really? No, we're, we're, no one's tuning into it? Uh, it's, it is the lowest ranked show for its time slot. <laughs> well, I mean, you really did tune in. I mean, you really did tune in to see Roseanne because right. she is the car crash. Oh, right? she is. When I was growing up in Colorado Springs, she lived in Fountain, which was the next city over. Wow. And she'd do stand up at the local clubs. And she was hilarious. Yeah. This was before she went to L.A. and got a facelift. But she was just this big, fat, dumpy broad. What the hell did it look like before? Yeah, you don't want to know. My God, I don't want to know now. But, uh, yeah, my, my favorite line of hers back from those days is, I know what guys want, and I give it to them, too. Clean underwear and a big bowl of chili. Well, that is true. So there's, there's your perfect woman. For I had this. a big bowl of chili the other day at the uh, local Timbers here, and they made <laughs> really good chili. And you know what's really good? My waitresses, speaking of great waitresses, <laughs> She said to me, she says, do you want some sour cream with that? And I'm oh, like, yeah. I've never had sour cream in my chili. Oh, I will have that. Oh, yeah. Sour cream, jalapenos, chopped a fresh onion, and a nice healthy dosage of pepper jack. You realize most people going through the show are like, what the fuck is going on and what this is about? Yeah, but they're just using it for background noise anyway and uh, <laughs> hoping they can extract a nugget or two from the show. They're probably popping the ambient going, this is what I doze off to. That is probably my audience on the Chris Voss show. I, I put people to sleep. I, I don't think that's the case. You bring people new interesting ideas wrapped in jovial banter. Jovial banter? Yeah, we so, charge extra for that. So uh, getting back to the choice thing, how can we make <laughs> – how can we be better at selling stuff and giving better choices, I guess? Well, the way you have to do that is with an assessment. You know, you have to ask people questions. And really, you sell way more if you ask questions. But they have to be smart questions. Yeah. They can't be stupid, invasive, dumb questions like, are you sure you want everything? Are you sure you want everything? That's not a, that's not a good, smart question. And it has to do with preferences. That's what we're looking yeah. for is, is preferences and understanding that everybody that you're going to be speaking to has different preferences and it's a moving target. Just what, what somebody preferred last time you spoke to them isn't necessarily something they prefer this time. And preferences are always tied to identity, hmm. which is an interesting concept. It's how people view themselves. And so, you, you know, you're the kind of guy who likes to make jokes about the people that he dates. So, therefore, you're going to be dating jokes. Actually, they make jokes about me, but usually it's over dinner. And See, there it is. Yeah. That's your identity. You, you know, you, you generated this really interesting identity for yourself, so you make choices around that identity. I, you didn't know this would turn into a therapy session, did you? Mostly, <laughs> the, whole, the whole reason for this podcast is fucking therapy. Oh, I'm doing free therapy for this? doesn't help me at all. <laughs> Maybe it helps our listener, though, because our listener's like, oh, my God, that explains exactly why I keep dating morons. Yeah, that's pretty much why I'm here. I'm here to expose my life so that people can analyze me. That's pretty much when I was 
audience tunes in, they're like, let's let's see what this fucktard's up to this today, man. That's exactly right. Just he make has feel less pathetic. We haven't seen him on the news. He hasn't loaded up a, a rifle in the bell tower, and and he's taking pot shots at uh, millennials from the uh, bell tower. Well, and the reason um, why you know is because if you do that, your show's done. Well, that's true too. I might do the show while I'm taking pot shots at millennials. You lazy bastards. I won't really kill them because I'm not that kind of person, but I'll, I might uh, I might try and shoot their phone out of their hands so I can wound their Instagram cruising or something. I don't know. <laughs> That's an interesting strategy. I made a joke today about how, because uh, we were talking on Facebook about how 30% of, of uh, lazy millennials will, uh, well, 30% of them will show up to vote. The other 60% are just lazy. Um and we were talking about, uh, I guess Snapchat last week was bragging about how they signed up a whole mess of people to, whole mess of kids to uh, uh, register to vote. And I'm like, you know, if Snapchat and Instagram really want to help people vote, millennials vote, just shut that shit down for a day. Just, just turn, just like turn off the app, put a screen, get off your lazy ass, millennial, and go fucking vote. Well, I, I think there, there it is. Vote. You know, no, no uh, internet for you until you vote. Exactly. That's how you get people. You want your internet back? Yep. All right. Go, go. Just, just make a choice. We don't care what it is. Just make a choice. So you that know, here's you can't good complain. idea to get more people to vote. Yeah. Put the voting polling stations in fucking Starbucks. Oh, there you go. Everyone's have their voting done. Like that's 9 a brilliant idea. I think ultimately we're going to be voting from our device. You know. I, I would like to see that. Hopefully. We'll see that, assuming we're going to be voting in anymore after this. Yeah, well, I think we probably will be. I, I expect for that not to change. I, and I, would, I would hope not. Get, getting back to the concept here of choices, mm-hmm. and really it's that personal identity, and I, I took a riff that took us off that, so I'm, I'm going to reel us back in. People make choices that support their identity, and that identity changes over time. That's the reason why we have to keep asking them questions and, and smart questions, and and questions fall into two, or rather, three fundamental categories. And so category one is objective. What do you want to achieve? So if you're going out to, to, to dinner with your, uh, your alternative loved one there, um, you know, the question is, yeah, you know, the, the, it just depends what you're what That's you're Thursdays. Doing. <laughs> do you, do you, are you looking for hunger suppression or are you looking for an experience? Hunger suppression will go for fast food. Experience will pick something that provides that kind of a level of experience. Huh. And, and fundamentally, that's what it is, right? Do you want to go out and celebrate or you just want to get some food in your stomach so you can move on to go home and, you know, Netflix and chill? So does it come down to what uh, I want to identify at the mood I'm currently in? That's part of it. It's objective. What do you want to accomplish? What's the yeah. outcome that you seek? Because, I mean, I know that people do buy an identity, and when they look at things, when they make decisions about cars or watches or or just about whatever they do, when they take wives and husbands, they're like, how does this, mostly wives, when they pick a, how, how well does this Well, that's the, that's the concept uh, of a trophy wife or a trophy husband. Yeah, yeah. Versus somebody who is either a provider or a, a mom or a dad or... Um, whatever they're looking for in an outcome. And that's usually why, you know, second spouses or third spouses tend to be more trophy style or <laughs> functional versus dysfunctional. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, uh, I'm on my seventh marriage. I'm still trying to find a trophy wife. Um, the, uh, my last wife was like, 
I think I was a trophy because she's like, I get this idiot to marry me. Um, <laughs> but no, it, it's interesting to me. I never really thought about identity drilling down to that deep, that small of a level. But I guess everything we do when we buy and we make decisions is based upon our identity and how it reflects on us. That's exactly right. And that's the reason mm-hmm. why testimonials become really important. Reviews become so important in our decision-making process. Because what we do is we read the review and see, is this something that supports my identity? Are these people that are reviewing this? Are these people that are buying this in my identity pool? Mm -hmm. Because all of us want to think that we're smart enough to make good choices. Mm -hmm. And by reading reviews and, and seeing the ratings of things, we get to then decide whether this is something that we want or we can tolerate. You know, you're really correct. I get this validation during Christmas, and it's really weird uh, because of all the product reviews we do on the Chris Voss show on YouTube. Yeah. In that uh, case, it's can, the Christmas Voss show. Yeah, the Christmas Voss show. Around Christmas, uh, pre-holiday, I see the, the, the views start to really escalate, and they go up uh, quite a bit. Um, and it's people that are trying to figure out what they want to buy. Now, I think it's also people trying to figure out what they want to ask for as well. Sure. Oh, totally. Yeah. And then what's interesting to me is that after Christmas, for about a month, the views still keep on this high of escalation. And and the comments begin to be uh, anywhere from, how do I make this work? Or... Uh, I just got this and I want to make sure it was cool and, and that I'm going to keep it. <laughs> so it's like the validation to like, should I return this or should I keep this? Well, I, th- I think that's a really fascinating insight. And part of the reason why the, the views are going to grow is because you've had so much organic traffic that when they're searching on yep. that to figure out if the, how does it work and if they're going to keep it, you're the top of the list. Yeah. I, it's always interesting to me there because I'll get these comments where people will be like, it, they'll, they'll be a little vague about it. They're like, oh, I just got this last week, and uh, yeah, so it looks good, so thanks. And you're like, were you deciding whether or not you're going to keep the product or return it? Or there are some people that they haven't figured out how to get it to work, and they're like, oh, I see how it works now. Or sometimes I get shit because I didn't show something, how something was put together, or how something worked. Like I, I get yelled at all the time on printer things where I don't show it printing something and the speed that it does. And I'm like, well, it does say on the box, and I did say that in the feature set, that it does 20 sheets per minute. But do I really have to fucking do a video for half an hour with printing a sheet so that you can see how fast 20 pages per minute is? Well, that, that only matters if your computer can spit out 20 pages for well, a minute. Sounds like a personal problem for some it, people. It, it is. I mean, it's 2018. I mean, I, I hope so. Do you remember, <laughs> remember the days when they used to be that, was it, dot matrix or whatever? That oh, gosh, yes. If you have that paper with the, uh, yeah, what was that paper called? It was called uh, Green Bar. Yeah, green bar, and it had the ridges. You had to peel that crap off. Yep, you had, you had to tear off the perforations. Perforated. Perforated green bar. And I would go to sleep at night hearing that dot yeah, yeah. was screaming in my ears. Just because It'd take I'd, like half an hour to print anything. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and if you were a real geek, you'd, uh, you'd make uh, wrapping paper from that green bar, and you'd print their name on it. It's step and repeat. And uh, Let's get back to the content, the content here versus flashing back. <laughs> or backflashing. I don't know. Sure. Why not? 
so the idea here is objective. What, is, what do people want to... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is the most fucked up show I've ever done in a while, and it's great. Well, well I got to tell you, it takes me to make that happen. We got to do this more often. All right, I'm up for that. So, uh, backtracking or whatever. <clears throat> right, uh, we were talking about objective and identity, and how it's a moving target, and how at Christmas time people are getting on the show and they're making comments on your show, and what they're doing is they're actually reinforcing their identity. I'm sorry, yeah. I had to laugh. That's great. This is getting so funny. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mark. For what, man? There's no reason. Laughter is a great thing, I know, man. I know. You're just cracking me up. I, I, took you, I took you from a weird morning to laughing. Yeah. This is a good day, friend. So, so, so help me understand this. I used to have this girlfriend, and, and uh, I used to have a girlfriend. That's weird. Um, I used to have this this girlfriend. Yeah, but it, it was only one. Um, but I used to have this girlfriend, and she's a pretty funny chick. Um, and she she used to be a model in L.A. And she was really how many years ago? How did you just <clears throat> how many years ago was she a model in L.A. when you met her? Uh, well, it'd been about ten years and two kids since she'd been a model, but she still had that had that model frame. In fact, I used to look at her and be like, "How the hell did you get two kids out of that thing?" Um, that she was like about this big around, mm-hmm. um, and I'm referring to this part, and I don't know, that's weird. Um, <laughs> about this big around, I think that's weird too. All right, well, hopefully people are listening and not watching. Now you know how she so, got the kids out. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's just, it's just, there's a lot of places I can go with those jokes as a comedian with the hand signals I just made, and I, you know, this isn't that show. No, um, it's not because we're not serving the drinks. Show. That show is a whole lot better with drinks. Yeah, that's Fridays. Uh, so anyway, um, the uh, we go out to eat, and it was it was always funny. And she was a she was a high maintenance, uh, uh, which is another word for pain in the ass, mm-hmm. uh, chick. And she was really lovely and wonderful, uh, and probably one of my most favorite girlfriends. Um, and uh, yes, there was more than one. Uh, and so we would go out to eat. And I always ordered Caesar salad because I grew up poor and I, I liked, you know, Caesar salad was kind of like the thing. And there's your identity, right? That's right. Mm. And I always like Caesar salad too. It's, if it's done right, you have, you know, beautiful romaine lettuce. I like the way some. Oh, some, you do eat lettuce. Yeah, I do eat lettuce. Um, not on a it has to have a lot of dressing on it. Well, that's okay. Um, but uh, so, so I'd order a Caesar salad. So, so she would be like, I want a Caesar salad too, like Chris, but hold the Caesar salad, hold the Caesar dressing and put ranch on it. Oh, okay. She wants a side of ranch too, because she's one of those chicks. Oh, Don't sure. Put dressing on, put it on the side. Uh-huh. Um, so she'd be like, I just want a side of ranch. And the waiter or waitress would start being like, well, that's not a Caesar salad, honey. That's just a salad with ranch on it. And, <laughs> And she'd be like, no, 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 I want a Caesar salad with ranch dressing on the side. And they'd be like, but, ma'am, the thing, and, I, and I'd be like, hey, uh, waitress, waiter, waiter, just, just, just give her that. Just trust me. You're, you're not going to win the fucking argument. And you're not going to get a tip. No, no matter, no matter what you did, no matter what I did, no matter what the poor waiter or waitress would do, they, she, they could, 
and we had conversations about this. I'd be like, let me let me explain salads here to you. <laughs> composition, salad composition discussion. Salad um, 101. Yeah. Tossed jello. Take the green stuff, and there's a certain way that um, – but but she would have none of that. No matter there there was no uh, discussing the logics, logistics or, or logics of salad uh, composition and preparation. Um, and uh, so I just had to live with it. Like every time we'd go out, it would just it would just be like, oh god, it's going to be the salad thing again. Um, and uh, you know, and they would just bring her ranch salad and just you know she wouldn't know the damn difference, right? Yeah. <laughs> And uh, and uh, here you go, man. Here's your Caesar salad with a side ranch. My my setup for that is is a question to you. I I guess that is some sort of form of identity. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Or in in her particular case, you know, she liked the Caesar salad nomenclature, but she didn't like the Caesar salad dressing. Maybe she had something against anchovies. Well, I I never had anchovies on mine. I mean, oh, but there's but there's anchovies. If it's a Caesar salad dressing, there's anchovies in the dressing. Otherwise, you can't call it Caesar dressing. Yeah. Yeah. And so maybe she didn't like that Putinesca edge. I don't, so, I don't know. But I mean, it, it could be. But yes, it is. I, we, well, we get back to or, 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 identity. Yeah. Getting back and, to this and identity. She, was, and she would do the same thing with her meals. Like she couldn't just order something off the menu. It had to be a pain in the ass. Uh-huh. Like I want the steak, but I want the meat. You know, and just it would be a fucking production by the time they got done. Like the the poor waiter or waitress would be running out of shit to write down the. Was, like, did she do that? Did she do that with everything? That everything, uh, yeah. everything. So she, then, what, what she did? She created this. She had this identity of of doing things special just for her. She had to be a special person. Well, she was a special person, and she had to have things just her way. And she would create these ways of making sure she called attention to herself by everything was non normal. Everything yeah. was something additional. Yeah, and, and you know, there's a term for that: narcissist. That does explain a lot, actually. And it's fine. You know, you get to live any way that you like. And I have I have had people in my life that had to have everything slightly different than everybody else. Um, and, you know, they are a pain. And you have to love them anyway if you choose to have them in your life. Yeah. Well, sometimes they're good and bad, so you keep them around. Um, <clears throat> that's that's true until they're no longer, until they start ordering too many sides. Yeah. <laughs> In bed, <clears throat> sure. Um, the uh, you know, it, and it is true. And so, basically, if I'm a salesperson, do I need? Is that what I'm trying to do when I'm asking questions? Am I trying to establish identity? Yeah, you're trying to figure out their identity and also trying to connect with that. And the reason mm-hmm. why is because a customer can never buy from you unless they see what you're selling as becoming part of their identity. Mm. And so a low consideration sale is one where they've already agreed that purchasing from you is part of their identity. A high consideration is where they have not yet agreed that you can become part of their identity. Is, is part of that me being able to sell them on, on why this is part of their identity or why it complements or enhances their identity in some way or another? Yes. You can't be that blatant about it, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but the answer is yes. If, if anybody, if you, uh, if anybody who you know who sold real estate will tell you that when the buyer starts imagining the furniture in place, they're they're trying on the identity of that house 
So when the wife starting to imagine what the bedroom looks like, what the bathroom looks like, and what the kitchen looks like with their stuff in place, they've bought the house. Mm -hmm. And that's usually what you learn, especially as a realtor. Yeah. You learn that you learn that the uh, you learn that the wife when the wife goes in the home, that's really when the sale takes place. And she's usually looking at uh, two or three things. She's always looking at the kitchen. Yep. She's looking at the bathroom, yep. and she's looking at the master bedroom, predominantly the master bedroom, how her closet and how big she can. That's exactly right. Closet to fit all of her stuff. That's it. It's those three things are what sell a house, mm-hmm. and it's when the wife sees it as part of their identity that the house is sold. Definitely. So, so part of what a salesperson has to do is figure out those elements of their customer that need to have the identity alignment have to come into play, and then make sure that you focus on getting those identity elements in alignment. So yeah. as a salesperson, I need to watch for my identity alignment. Yeah, you look for identity alignment. Because once that happens, then they can say yes. And you just have to have that yes set happen with everybody else. So we're, since we're talking real estate, you know, the, the wife looks for identity alignment on the three rooms that we discussed. And then the, the, uh, the male is going to look for identity alignment for two or three things as well. You know, typically, it's going to be garage, yeah. man cave, maybe yard. Yeah. And <clears throat> usually like about that much space in the uh, closets yeah exactly you know you know for for me it's a place to hang my guitars and and, and rock and roll without yeah my wife and so, even then your wife <laughs> comes in the room every now and then goes you know i can put a something in there. <laughs> no you my know? say my space is sacred she won't mess with my room well that's so, cool yeah it's, 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 every, every every man needs to have their space that can be as messy and screwed up as possible nobody's gonna bother I, you know, I used to have that with a few of my girlfriends. I used to get to the point living with them where I'd be like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to build me a, like a little guest house. That's it. A little dull guest house in the backyard. That's it. And I'm just going to go spend most of my time out there. Yeah. And I'm just coming here when we commiserate. And but I'm just going to go out there. And I'm, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want out there. I'm going to walk around my underwear and pick my nose and 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 fart and i don't know play guitar and play a lot of music that hates and have sports on the day yeah have sports on 24 7 strippers over you know working the pole or what wait that, that is why i'm still single um and uh i'm just gonna do that and then they're always so offended they're like what you know what oh my god and you're like no i just you have to understand i have to have my tune out space i have to have the my cave to where I go to refill my bucket to put up with your bullshit. I mean, yeah. uh, to thrust it along. Well, the reality is most men, they hate to admit it, are introverts. And introverts recharge in their own space. Well, we don't talk as much as women. I have <laughs> friends I play with on, on uh, gaming. And, and, and uh, sadly for both he and I, um, I don't know who suffers more, uh, his wife. And he, he must have tile floors or something, but his, his his wife just talks constantly in the background. Like sometimes I'm like, dude, I I, I got to mute you because I I feel like I'm married. I mean, she just never shuts the fuck up, and um, and that's her identity, isn't it? Well, I, I guess I don't always know. something I to say. How women work through their their thing, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but men are introverts. I mean, I think women are more extroverts. Is the point I'm trying to make, and and men are more introverts and. And, uh, you know, we, as men, we can hang out and not say anything. We can go fishing for a day and not talk to each other the whole day. And that was bonding quality time. 
um, where women have to talk and like, and like, that's where, you know, a lot of men lose their mind. Cause they're just like, <clears throat> uh, 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 um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's all about identity. You know, the thing I was going to ask you, one of the things I always taught my salespeople and this, this usually meant the difference between getting sales and not getting sales was the first thing I would tell them to do is ask the customer who calls in or you're calling them, what do you want to accomplish? Right on. And that always worked well for us. Is that a way to establish identity in the sales? <clears throat> Absolutely. And, and that goes right to the, the, the three uh, different levels of questions is objective, priorities, and criteria. And what do you want to accomplish is objective. And we always have to start with what is your objective? What are you trying to accomplish? What are you, or trying, what are you trying to avoid? Mm -hmm. and, and both are possible. You know, it could be some, usually a blend of both. We're trying to accomplish something. We're trying to avoid something. And so starting off with that objective gets straight to the heart of things. You know, I, I never really thought about it, but you just brought this up, and, and, and now I understand it better for, Jesus, all the decades I've been doing that. Um, Unconscious confidence. People buy sometimes based on fear, and sometimes people buy based upon gain. Desire. Yeah. Desire. Yeah. Um, and, and usually it's a blend of both. And so and when you do ask somebody what do you want to accomplish, you're going to find out which drives them. That's right. Whether, whether they're trying to avoid or they're trying to accomplish. And the thing that's interesting is that it usually has to do in the world of business with um, their role. For example, a CEO is always driving forward. They're trying to accomplish things. And somebody who's on the front line, maybe a, an IT guy or a lawyer, they're trying to avoid things. So mm -hmm. <clears throat> this concept of avoid or accomplish is, is driven by their role in the organization. And then, of course, uh, people tend to mimic that in their day-to-day -day life. Yeah. I, I, I learned this a long time ago, especially when I, when I went through a catharsis. of I, I grew up poor. I wanted to be rich. Then I got rich bought everything I wanted and then I kind of went through this fight club experience where I was like is this all there is is this mm -hmm. this is what I wanted and I finally got it and it's really uh, not what I thought it would be um, and then I became kind of more of a minimalist and dialed that back and and tried to find a place where I could find optimum happiness and fulfillment without creating a world where everything I owned owned me and and uh, it, it seemed like no matter how rich I got or how much stuff I got, um, it, it, more people just thought I was an asshole and had their hands out and were, were driving me crazy. And I couldn't make anyone happy no matter how many drinks I bought or what I paid for. Um, <clears throat> now I make me happy, and that seems to work pretty good for me, last well, time I checked. You know, Chris, that's the massive shift that we're seeing in our culture right now. We're going from mm -hmm. this age of ownership. As baby mm -hmm. boomers, we were taught that we wanted to own the means of production which meant that if you had a business, you had to own the equipment, you had to have employees that delivered on the services that you provided. It meant that you owned your own house, it meant you owned your own car, you owned all the stuff. Mm -hmm. And if you wanted to go skiing, you had to own the skis. Now we're shifting this culture to the age of access. Yes. Where you own nothing but control everything. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember growing up where my BMWs were my identity. Um, right on. There you go. It was all, and I, I remember when I finally gave up owning BMWs because I was like, 
um, you know, and it, it was this factor that came from Fight Club where it was like, I'm buying shit that I don't need to impress people that I don't give a fuck about. Right on. And they don't care. I mean, I used to be, you know, walk around my BMW. That was my part of my identity. And after a while, I realized that no one really cared much. Um, maybe some girls I dated, but um, even then, there was sometimes I'd date a girl, and she, you know, she come to my house, and be like, "Why do you have to own this car? Why do you have to own this big house?" And I'm like, uh, "Press chicks like you in the corner," um, and some weren't impressed. Um, and uh, then I realized that I was spending all this money walking around, buying all this stuff, and doing all these things to impress people that really didn't give a crap about me, you know, and sometimes they're just like, I don't give a crap that you want to be in W, and that doesn't mean anything to you. Um, and, and I remember selling cars back in the day when I was a kid. Uh, a lot of it was based on identity. Some people yeah. see themselves as truck buyers. Oh, I own a truck. That's right. I have a pickup truck. And, and yeah, you have other buyers that see themselves as economy buyers, and they yeah. buy the cheapest thing because it just gets me from a – Point A to point B, and I get to save my money for other things. Yeah, there's people that, you know, I have to have a Cadillac, um, uh, right leather on. seats. That's and, right. That's rah, 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 and all that power windows and shit. Um, and it, it's interesting to me uh, as to how we pick things in our identity. I mean, even even when I date, I mean, I, I, I you know, as I go through my Bumble and I'm lefting and writing the swiping, um, I'm, uh, you know, I, I see somebody and I'm like, well, they seem nice. Uh, I don't know if they're a nice person or someone sends you a, uh, a message like, hey, I might be interested in you. You're like, look at them. You're like, yeah, they seem nice. Uh, but then you're like, hmm, I wonder how I feel about my picture with theirs on Facebook is like, this is my girlfriend. I want people to think. It's kind of weird that we think that way, huh? Yeah. And we often do so subconsciously. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably why, like we were joking earlier before the show about how, why is a girlfriend's dress this is men? Because they're like, are we, I, I, you know, and, and there's a story behind that too. I, I used to, my girlfriend, when we'd have that whole argument we discussed where, where should we go out to eat? And do you want to go here? And then we'd end up at the oyster bar. Um, back then I was fairly in the money. And so we'd go to the oyster bar. And usually it would be a production. Of course, you got to get the crab legs and the steak and the and the you know the expensive wine and, you and know, the Caesar like, made and the Caesar and salad made table side. On it, and uh, <laughs> you know, uh, and so um, you know, we we go out there. Well, I would just be home from work, and I'd just be like, and I never dated women that cooked. I mean, you could. I used to own a modeling agency. Okay. I dated of course, of course, models don't cook. Yeah, they don't cook. You don't date models for cooking, um, and so uh, and so they would never cook, and we go out to eat. Well, I'd, I'd want to be in my shorts. I just got done working. I'm not going to dress up to go to the oyster bar, especially when I got to bloody pay for it. And my girlfriend would always be like, "You're gonna wear that when we go out to the oyster bar," and I'd be like, "I don't give a fuck. I mean, I just need I need to eat because you don't cook, honey." Um, and they would be like, well, I don't want to be seen with you in your shorts and your flip flops and the oyster bar. Well, who cares? Who cares? I don't, I don't give a fuck about those people at the oyster bar. It's not like, it's not like, uh, like, why do I care what they're going to do? And she's like, well, I, you know, I, we'll just look bad, <laughs> but there you go. There's an identity thing right there. Absolutely true. It goes both ways. Mm-hmm. 
You know, they're, they're, gonna be seen with. they're judging to see is, is this somebody that I want my friends to see me with? Yeah. Because <clears throat> if you don't get the identity thing right, you have to find new friends. Well, that explains why I'm single, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> everyone on Bumble's like, I don't want to see with that motherfucker. Hey, swipe left. And yeah, that's uh, it's crazy how that works, but it is exactly how it works. But most of this identity is installed when we're young, yeah. Even before we even have a chance of, of questioning um, whether this is an identity that we want, and frequently this happens with sports. Mm. You know, people's sports preferences happens when they're kids and they go to ball games with their grandpa or their dad, and they're still following teams that are losers. Yeah. Because that's who they are, and they would never consider switching team. They call it my team when there's no ownership. It's just the weirdest thing. And they're willing to make themselves miserable once a week following yeah. a team that was installed by their parents who were miserable at least once a week. Well, my dad was never a Raiders fan, but early on, because I lived in L.A., I glommed onto the Raiders. And I, I think one of my one of the early books that I got uh, was was and, and the Raiders just won the Super Bowl, so they were kind of the shit. Uh, and I forget the name of the quarterback during the '76 '77 Raiders, um, but I got a book about him and the Raiders, and and that really cemented my Raider uh, thing. But you just described what every what every Sunday is like here in in uh, watching the Raiders. I have to remove all the knives and weapons from the home because. Ken Stabler? The fucking Raiders. It was Ken Stabler, yes. Ken yeah. Stabler. The I magic, saw the book, too. Yeah, the magic of uh, Google. Yeah. Uh, and, and on the topic of what's going on here in November 6th, in much the same way, people, once they pick a, a political party for the yep. voting that's going to be happening next Tuesday, and, and, and it's dominating our news right now, the processes around that, people do the same thing with their with their political party choices. Once well, they, they do. One, they stick with it for life. And, and keep in mind that it tends to be very much that identity tends to be centered around both how they were raised and mm -hmm. the people they hang out with. Interesting. And, and political party is probably one of the most polarizing identities just yeah. because of the way that the media makes it a polarizing factor. It doesn't help that the president makes it very polarizing with his tweets. I know that there's and I don't want to get political here, but I know there's a lot of people in the Republican Party who are in his party say, you know, we really just don't like those tweets because they are polarizing. And polarization is part of marketing. Mm. And so I don't want to talk about it from a political standpoint, although you and I over drinks would, would probably have an, a very intense conversation, which I think would be a delight. I'm, I'm, al I'm, always, up for, that. I'm always up for debate. Um, uh, and the thing to keep in mind is for both of us, the rule is the moments we attack each other, the, the game's over. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is interesting to me because I've been having a lot of discussions about party uh, and politics. Let's, let's, we'll keep it veneer. Um, but um, what's interesting to me is there are some subtleties of certain political parties, or a, you can probably say of both parties. They're, they're very concrete and inherent and sometimes What's the right words to use? Obstructive or prejudice? Um, well, there certainly has. They have world views. about both parties. I'm not yeah, they, have, they, they, have, they actually have particular worldviews. Yeah, because I actually, I, I actually see uh, the arguments on both sides of both parties. And, As do and I. The party that I usually end up identifying with, and there's, there's our identity right there. That's and, it. And I actually tell people, it's, I, I'm not XYZ party. 
they just identify with me. So there's another example of what you're talking about with identity. But uh, it sometimes it's hard to get those voters to understand. I'll, I'll just give an example. Like, I, I, I tend to identify with Democrat. I'm not really big on the whole how far the Democrats go over with the environment stuff. I, it's, it has taken me a while to warm up to global warming. I do think we have an effect on the environment. But, you know, like Obama did kind of jump the shark and try and shove us down the solar hole a little too hard when they started out. In fact, if you remember, uh, he, he funded like, I think it was like $150 million or $50 million grant loan to some solar company, and they were going to overthrow coal, and, and then they went bankrupt with the money, and everyone was like, well, that was fucking stupid, and way before its time. Now we can kind of see, uh, what, 8, 12 years later with Tesla and, and there's more, solar is more, you know, geared for the mainstream of what Indeed. it was. So we've made a lot of progress. In yeah. But that's an example of where uh, I have to kind of take a blind eye to that identity politics. Um, in fact, identity politics is, is what Bannon and, and, and Trump really use. Indeed. Identity politics. And, Absolutely true. And, that's, and I imagine that's what they're targeting when they... Well, when they hit their hot buttons. Indeed. And, and let's go back to this concept of, of polarizing tweets. Mm -hmm. That is a marketing strategy to clearly call out identity. Yeah. Because when you read the president's tweets, you are either for it or against it, and there's no neutral ground. Yeah. That, it's it's not quite vitriol on either side. It's, it's an identity driver. And, you know, and, and, and oh boy, we got to be careful not to steer too far into politics. Well, but well yeah, we, we don't want to do that, but we're talking yeah. about identity. And, and yeah. politics so, is I a very... I hope everyone in our audience keeps this in, bearing in mind. And yeah, yeah. Objective. Well, the sports um, and politics are, are where identity is extremely polar. Yeah. And is, it because we get, is it because we get attached to them in our youth and, and, we, and we've really committed to them over a lifetime? Indeed. And yeah. because the, car, the crowd we hang out with specifically in the world of sports, let's just go back to sports because it ends up being the same. Yeah. It is, is we hang out with people who support the same team we support. Yeah. And this, uh, since the, the Vegas Golden Knights hockey team has burst onto the scene, my dear sweet wife has become a hockey fan where she was supported no team ever yeah. in her life. Yeah. So she's fallen in love with, uh, with Fleury. And the reason why is he has a physical resemblance to our youngest son. Now, is Flurry the mascot for the Knights? <laughs> the biggest Knights? Or? Yeah, he, he's, the, he's the goalie. He's the goalie. Oh, he's okay. The, he's the goalie. He's the guy that looks Flurry like Gumby. Hot for the goalie? He's, she's hot for the goalie. She loves how he, she, he drops to his knees. I don't and <laughs> So you, you walk into her office, and she's got a wall full of, of Vegas she's Golden Knights stuff. She's on identity there, Mark, if she, if she, I don't know. I, I know, but we're, <laughs> that might be it. I don't but, know. So, so the, the the point though is that we can we can create identity relationships. It doesn't have to go back to to, to our youth. Although a lot of unexamined identity can be pinned back to where we made decisions before we made a logical decision, made an emotional decision versus yeah. a logical decision. And sometimes when we're selling things, we have to help a person see a new level of identity, a new way of being. Yeah, and. That can be triggered by things such as uh, getting married, having children, or being promoted within an organization, or mm -hmm. taking on a new job. All of those things can trigger exploration of a person's identity. And the whole idea behind the midlife crisis, which was identified by um, 
Elliot Jacks, who is a Canadian um, industrial psychologist, is where, as you were explaining earlier on the show, you got to this point where, you know, I am not my car. I am yeah. not my house. I am not I, my I stuff. Identity crisis, a catharsis. That's exactly right. Where you reshaped your identity. Yeah. You, you, you reinvented your identity. I did. I did. I, I got rid of everything that was owning me that and, I thought well, I owned and really ended up owning me. Right on. Yeah. You're just like, just like I'm paying for the baby grand piano and I'm paying for, uh, at one point I had, uh, I had a house in Utah and we had offices in Vegas and Denver. So I had an apartment in Denver and I had to make everything in Denver the same. I had an apartment in Vegas uh, and I had, my, I had two BMWs in any given airport at any given time. There was one in Vegas uh, with my golf clubs in it and uh, there was one in Utah. And at any given point, one of those was parked in an airport. Um, yeah. The, uh, and, and I mean, my life just got to be uh, an incredible pain in the ass. It got to the point where I was, I had my office in Utah, but I was working. I would say that I was working in Utah and I'd fly there Monday through Thursday, visit my house. And then I would live in Vegas or what I was trying to do was live in Vegas. And I would live Friday through Sunday in Vegas at my apartment and my other BMW down there. And just the whole the whole menagerie of trying to make the, all those plates spin is is just enough. And I finally reached a point where I just I just want to go sit at home and squat in my corner and have my little radial tires and my <laughs> Oh, you are gonna go to sleep. My network my network movie and a bit. Just leave yeah. me alone. Go, go check out the latest tires at SEMA. That's a good idea. Yeah, pretty Yeah, good. that's that I well and so you know, what we have identified here is that when people shift their identity, that's when you can bring on a new vendor. Yeah. When you can bring on a, a new choice. And the salespeople were looking for that. What is it you're trying to accomplish? And if when you can identify what their identity shift is doing and attach what you do to that identity shift, you will win yeah. because everybody else is selling the stuff versus you are selling the support of their new identity. Yeah. And what, what's interesting to me is, Sometimes in sales, especially in like real estate, you realize that women are nesters. They, yep. uh, someone explained this concept to me a long time. They, they're building a nest and yep. they want to make their nest. They want to personalize it. They want to make it comfortable because part of the thing is they're bringing children to that nest. And, right. and, and, and so the whole operation is, is around that. And as a man, you're just the accessory in that sort of experience. In fact, you're the accessory pretty much most of the time. Well, it's that, um, that hunter-gatherer archetype. Yeah. And, and yeah, you can resist it, but the reality is that generalization is true way more often than not. And there were times in the sales process where, whether it was with cars or with women, usually men were very, you know, they were the car buyers and it was about their identity. But, but there were times where the woman would be like, no, this is my car. This isn't your car. And as a salesperson, you would have to balance out their identities and 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 their dominance sometimes yes, in that right. experience, especially in the home, even in even like home sales. Every now and then, you know, the guy would be like, you know, he you know his ego would boost up. Oh, I have to make it, you know, and you have to kind of placate to that for a little bit, while knowing that you know that there was this dynamic between the two to the two decision makers. Right on. And, and you really are playing to dominant submissive because you can't have two dominants in a, or yeah. in a relationship or two submissives in a relationship. Yeah. And, and you would do that when you'd walk through the home. You'd right on. The guy in the garage. And you'd be like, 
this is the garage and look at all the stuff you can do and here's this yard that you can work in because your wife doesn't want you in the house anyway really so um yeah they want her she wants you out hunting yeah yeah it's a hunter gatherer thing it's, yeah. it's still there yeah i mean my girlfriends uh, used to always whenever we look at a new place you know they'd always want to see the closets and then they'd be like well i don't you know, I'd, I'd hear, well, I, I can't get everything that we have in the closets at this house into that new house. And I don't, you know, it was like, it was about closet space. Have you um, ever thought about getting rid of some stuff? Yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> no, that was, that was always, that was, I'll never forget. I had this one girlfriend and she's really wonderful. Um, I'm not complaining about any of them because I, I always had great girlfriends. Uh, I, we, we learn from everybody that we have in our life. Yeah. And, and, and I was always the problem child. Um, but I remember I had this one girlfriend and she had, she had clothes going back to probably the first clothes she ever goddamn bought. And <laughs> oh, she had a onesie, a little, pretty much. <laughs> and she, they're probably, I, I, I never was able to audit and inventory the whole clothing line, but there, there were clothes that I'm like, were these from the seventies? I don't think these are even going to be in style. They'll be in style in a couple of years. All right. Um, but you, you go through some of the clothes, you'd be like, no one wears this anymore. Like, I'm a man, and I know this isn't in style. Like, these colors are, uh, you know, god-awful. Well, but, then, so what you can say, I wouldn't be caught dead with you wearing this. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> it, you couldn't ever say, what's wrong? Is my ass too big? Uh, but she had, she had clothes that filled the whole master bedroom, most of her two children's clothes, and she even had clothes at her mother's house in the empty rooms of her mother's house when they were raised as a family. And I would, I was allotted in the closet this much space for my clothes. Now, thankfully, I like wearing shorts and shirts, and I'm not like a whole suits guy. Although this was back in the day when I wore suits. Um, and um, I was allotted this much space. And every, like, I don't know, a couple months or every month or something, there would have to be this discussion about she would have audited and inventoried everything that was in this space. And she's like, do you really need all that? Because I need some more space for this. <laughs> I'm like, fuck you. This is my, this is my space. This is my identity. This is all it's, me. it's all I've got. It's all I've got. <laughs> Just leave me alone with my lacy boy, my real tires, and my darky bunker TV. Oh yeah, I I'm love sick it. of it. I can't take it anymore. The uh, the uh, but you know I, it, it it is interesting. So I mean, as 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 people, do we need to do we need to sit down and and do inventory identity clearances? Do we uh, need to ask what is my identity? Well, I think it's the, that's that concept of know yourself. Mm -hmm. The more you know yourself, the easier it is for you to make choices that support your identity, or you yeah. can make intelligent decisions about shifting your identity in new ways, in new places. And maybe that helps in your buying decisions because you're like, do I really like this? Because that did happen to me when I threw my catharsis. I yes. love BMWs. Um, but but I, remember, I remember years ago, after converting from a BMW to just a, a car that I have that's, uh, that's uh, fit for convenience for my single lifestyle, because I only drive like... Uh, once every three to four days. Down the corner. I have groceries delivered. I have it all delivered. How yeah. um, millennial of you? There's some times where I actually go, I'm driven for like three or four days. I should go drive that thing so the battery doesn't die. Um, and uh, 
uh, I remember one time I went uh, to the dog park and I used to take my dogs with me and my, my car is covered in hair. Um, and, Good look. Uh, and so I, I went to the dog park and it was just mud. It just rained and the dogs came back. They jumped in my car and, and I'm like, this is probably why it's a good thing I don't have a BMW anymore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would be freaking the hell out right now. Uh, and I don't really have to care that much. You know, that's the point is that you don't want to have stuff that owns you. That's, that is an ugly place to be because you really have disconnected yourself from yourself. You spend all your time just, just keeping the plates spinning. And, uh, you know, I, I've had friends, I actually thought of several times about buying another BMW and I'm like, what am I going to do? It's going to rot in the garage all day well, long. And with self-driving cars coming online exactly. really soon, I don't think that it makes any sense at all to buy a car anymore. And you brought car. that up early. We're moving into that age of where, um, there's a disposability of where you, you, it was self-driving cars. You'll just call up a car right and a car will come. It's a utility. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to an identity of luxury. That's exactly right. Dragging your friends, hey, look, I ordered a car. And I'm right. In way. Exactly. That's it's a big it's a big shift. Is this moving now? Let's go back and talk about that shift from the uh, age of ownership to the age of access. The big underlying uh, advance is in the age of ownership. You have the fear of loss, mm-hmm. which means you owned it, you had to insure it, you had to protect it, you had to secure it. Had to worry about people stealing it. Oh yeah. Yeah. And the stuff breaking, you have to maintain it. And this movement to the age of access means you have none of that fear of loss. Yeah, yeah. But what we move to is this fear of missing out. The FOMO. FOMO, yeah. But the good news is that you can you can rein in FOMO way faster than you can rein in other fears. Yeah, just turn off your phone and your social media accounts and you'll be fine. Decide who you are and be okay with that. You know, maybe that's what more people need to do. They need to decide who they are and, and that they aren't. Um, you know, I, I remember my, my good friend Robert Scoble, this has always stuck in my head all the years he said it. He goes, you know, we live in this FOMO world now with social media and people see other people's Instagram accounts and, and it causes a lot of depression, even worse now today with these young kids that they don't understand. Um, and, and people only post the high points of their life. Which is the reason why the Chris Cross show is so great, because we get to broadcast both the highs and the low points. Well, it, yeah. Well, I mean, we, we should probably start drinking now. <laughs> um, that's yeah, why it's 20 some hour, because God knows you don't want to see yeah. the rest of the time. This is, this is, you know, I do an eight ball of Coke before the show. We're jacked up, and we do it and rock and roll. And then after that, I don't do an eight ball. Well, keep in, keep in mind, Chris, it's 420 somewhere. Uh, I probably need another shot then. Um, <laughs> so uh, it is legal here, uh, the, the 420. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I'm trying to think of the point that I was uh, about to make on that. Mm, the point about knowing yourself. Uh, oh, the point about knowing yourself, but the, the Instagram and, and people. And, yeah. and it, you know, somebody said, I, I forget who it was. You're talking about Scoble. Scoble. Yeah, I was uh, talking about Scoble and. And and school made this point. This <clears throat> he goes, he goes. You know, no one ever Instagrams, or back then it was Foursquare. He goes, no one ever four Foursquares the check-in at the methadone clinic, right? At the parole office, uh-huh. at the pawn shop. That's right. At the STD doctor, no one ever checks in at those locations. No one ever posts, "Hey, look, I'm, you know, I'm at the methadone rehab clinic." Woohoo! You know. 
Um, and we, we, we put these things on social media that are these so perceived high points like we live at that elevation at all, at all times. Yeah. And it, it does create this FOMO amongst people, like you mentioned, where, uh, you know, it's, oh, well, Joni looks like she's on vacation all the time, Chris. You need to make some more money so that we can be like Joni on vacation. And really, you know, I don't know, Joni's, I don't know what Joni's doing, but you know what I mean. Well, Joni is obviously uh, fleecing, uh, conning other people into taking her on vacation. Something like that, you know, and, 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 and that or... You know what I do is when I when I travel, I, I'm a I'm a photographer, so I'll take like twenty thousand photos, and then you take time doling out those photos and editing them and and putting them out. My friend uh, Thomas Hawk, I mean, if he takes a photo, he's taking photos of me, and I'll like hound him. I'm like, hey, when do I get that photo? He's like, probably in about four years, Chris. <laughs> I'm like, why? And he goes, because that's how far behind I am in editing, and that's that's how I work. I take like twenty or thirty thousand photos, and then and then I'm still doing photos from four years ago, and and that's how he works. And even now, I have probably with my dogs, I don't know, fifty thousand photos of my dogs going back to the two other dogs that have passed away, where I still have not processed her photos. Um, well, I think and, you explained everybody listening to the show. Yeah. We, we all have a bazillion photos of people we don't care about anymore. Yeah. Well, I still care about them. I just haven't gotten the time to get around to them. Because delete I them from your complete. <laughs> um, and, and, and even worse now, when I do edit those photos and go back through those, those dogs, uh, it's very different than when with my dogs that I have now uh, because – because it's very finite. Those pictures can't be replaced. I'll, I'll even keep photos that are out of focus because the the, the subject is is uh, no longer with us and, and it's finite. I'll never be able to get that picture or close to that picture again, even though it's out of focus. There's something about throwing it away that I have issues with too and whatever. I, I, it's fine with me. It's part um, of my identity? It's part of my identity, I suppose. Yeah, it's it, it actually is. I actually go through that catharsis with when I lost my two dogs that had traveled with me through uh, 16 years, 16 to 17 years of their life, mm -hmm. of my life. And when I lost both of them within two or three years of each other, when I lost the second one, I really felt like it was closing off a part of my identity, those, those 17 years. And that because they were witness to it. And that was actually uh, a, a, an issue that I have um, with it is that I feel like a part of that life or that identity is lost, which is kind of an interesting approach is, since we're talking about identity. Indeed. Yeah. And, and so those pictures help remind us and anchor those identity points in our life. Yeah. And, and, and it, it is kind of odd. I, I, I have a different identity now, and I actually objectify that. Uh, when I think about the two puppies that I have now and 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 to me there is a chapter a different chapter of my life a segment of my life where this is this area and that was that area and and I guess that is an identity sort uh, in and of itself indeed in fact I think you've brought up a really interesting concept of why people feel so at loss when a pet leaves their life mm -hmm. it's because there's a piece of their identity that's gone and will no longer be reclaimed. Yeah. And so that we feel a, a loss, not just for our our friend, but we lose that piece of us that mm -hmm. was such an important component of us. And even even stuff that we that we lose, uh, 
I remember uh, years ago, or being stolen, I remember years ago, someone stole this really nice, uh, um, it was a, it was a really nice, uh, 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 what was it, satellite radio, Sirius. It was a Sirius XM radio. It was really cool. It was like, it was like about this big. Um, and uh, I remember when someone stole it, and I really loved, and I really appreciate that. And I, I just felt so, uh, what's the right word? I just felt so violated by that. Mm-hmm. And, and really, it was a violation of my identity, I guess, when it comes down to it. Because you were the guy that had that early on uh, external radio. It yeah. was part of what you did. Yeah. It's crazy how we do that. And I think that's where we, yeah. if we if we examine our identity intentionally, mm-hmm. And we decide the identity of who we wish to be versus making it unintentional or accidental or um, something that or baggage that we're carrying. And then part of that's that's part of that concept of baggage is mm-hmm. we have an identity that no longer serves us that we agreed to pick up in the past and we have to let that go. Yeah. And that reinvention process is painful because it causes us to have to shift our identity. Mm-hmm. And um, the way that you do it is actually pretty simple. You have to spend time with you. <laughs> Alone, oh uh, no phone. I think that's what the vodka's for. No internet. Well, that'll that'll bring out a certain part of your identity. You notice how some people get are, are happy drunks and some people are asshole drunks. Yeah, I the, the thing is, that's interesting things about uh, alcohol is it it amplifies a natural identity. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because I have dated women that they're they're fun drunks, but on a rare occasion, I've drink I've drink I've I've had girlfriends that. When they drink, they become something more angry and meaner than anything I've ever seen, mm-hmm. and and it amplifies their thing. And it, it, it and that is kind of I mean I've known friends that do that do drugs, and and a certain drug that you would expect to do a certain thing, like say cocaine, would depress them as opposed to you know make them more happy. You're like, yeah, it's not what cocaine's supposed to do, but uh, it is interesting. And, Same and thing I, with money. Money oh. amplifies money amplifies people's identity. Yeah, especially when you <clears throat> roll the hundred dollar bills and snort the cocaine. <laughs> and it amplifies that. Indeed, all it's all that amplification. Amplification is how we amplification. Get a lot of feedback. Hundred dollar bills. Yeah, it's interesting to me. Um, I don't know. Maybe I should. Maybe I should be spending more time when I go through my world understanding people uh, from an identity process. Like, what is their identity, and, and how is their identity? I know a lot of people, their identity is to be a good dad. Yeah, right. Be, be a good husband. Uh, certainly people post those pictures. I'm a, I'm a dog dad, so yeah. I'm always showing off my kids in the videos. Well, and, and, and part of your I'm identity sure is... I'm nodding to some people. Are they just like, really? Another, another photo of your dog? And I'm the same way with people's kids. I'm like, look, I've seen your fucking kid. I don't need to see another photo. It's a child, really. You know, it's like when people show me their babies, I'm like, I don't, what? You're like, it's beautiful. You're like, I don't know. It looks like it's fat and cheeky and angry to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Your babies don't look happy most of the time. Sometimes you're like, hey. Uh-huh. But the rest of the time, they're just like, they're just like, it's cold. And I hear there's taxes and, and death coming and and I'd rather do anything but you have my, take my picture right yeah. now. But the only time they're happy is when they're pooping their pants, which is kind of where I'm at Temporary. now. Temporary. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's where we end up. 
We yeah. start off pooping our pants, we end up pooping in our pants. The whole thing. We were talking earlier about doing the, the Depend show with... Uh, mm. Insure, with, uh, with Lawrence Welk. Yeah. The, Insure, uh, and um, do they still make... Uh, what, was, what was that stuff that used to sell? Geritol. Remember that? Yeah, Geritol. Do they still that sell nasty. Geritol? Was that the nasty stuff your, your grandparents used to put on their cream for their arthritis and shit? Oh, I think that was... Stink. Fuck it all or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, but no, that was the Bengay. What was Geritol? Oh, Bengay, yeah, Bengay. Yeah, Geritol was this liquid that was like iron, and it was primarily alcohol. I think it was mostly like lead and mercury. Yeah. So it was from the 70s. <laughs> Brought to you by you Geritol. And shoot that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Those were the days, wasn't it? I, I remember watching a... I, I grew up in the age of cigarettes and, and everyone smoking. Oh, um, sure. I think I remember going in the hospital and they were, you know, the doctors like, friends. Yeah, you probably have lung cancer. I'm thinking, I don't know what's causing it right now, but you're, if you have a lung cancer, honey. Um, That's right. Four out of five doctor surveys. Smoking. Right, recommend Camel. Uh, you know, those are back Amazing. in the days. Which you kind of have to wonder <clears throat> when the doctor says, you've got stints in your heart. You need uh, XYZ. I should start selling ads to prescription companies so I can use references. Um, we get out yeah, that physician's uh, desk reference. Yeah. Pick your poison. And, uh, just, just pick one of the... You think I can remember them all for all the ones that are on TV. In fact, I, I pretty much quit watching TV. Oh. And uh, when I do watch... I use Sling TV. And, when I, and I usually watch on my laptop next to my desk. So I have my main computer and I have a laptop there. And as soon as the commercial comes on, it's like mute. Yeah, right, right on. So, you know, Sling TV, Crutch TV, you know, Cast TV, whatever. <laughs> but the reality is, you know, about about ten years ago, the entire news world shifted away from reporting news. You don't you don't see news on TV anymore. Yeah, it's about the same time MTV quit putting music videos. Exactly, and, and the reason why is because we can get news on the internet anytime, anyplace, anywhere. So they yeah. made this wholesale pivot to opinion. Yeah, and there is no t- news is all opinion, and opinion is designed to to scare the crap out of you, so you'll sit through the, the pharmacy commercials. Well, I mean, you brought this up earlier. It's meant to hit that marketing hot button that sets you polarization. off. That gives you that that whole thing. CNN is classic for that. I can barely stand to watch CNN. If yeah, MSNBC, Fox, I mean, MSNBC all of them. Quite as bad as CNN. CNN and Zucker, whatever his name is, the guy who runs it, they do those panels. Mm-hmm. And those panels drive me fucking insane with their bullshit. Yeah. Because at the end of an hour of fucking argument between, and, and he always sets up the panels to where we got the extreme rightists, the extreme leftists, leftists and I, I've even seen some parodying videos where they, they cut to uh, Anderson Cooper's face where he's like, seriously, this is some bullshit right here. Go. I'm like, and I'm then, so glad I make millions to put up with this crap. Yeah. And, and really they're just like, they're just like, well, you, uh, okay. You can't call the person the N word and you can't punch that person in the face. And they're just kind of like the referees to the panel mm-hmm. where if shit just gets way too fucking out of hand, but and the panel but, knows exactly which role to play. Yeah. And, but they know, they know how to get it to that point where it's out of hand and they come in. They're like, Hey, all right, everyone stop punching each other in the face. Yeah. We've hit the line. <clears throat> Every other show is doing the same thing. You know, you yeah. watch Fox News shows, it's the same yeah. left, right crap. But, but at the end of it, you're just like, what did we accomplish with all the yelling and screaming between the left and right? Did 
did we resolve something at the end where we're like, okay, no, there is no resolution. It's just hilarious. Yeah. And it's just that it's just what you talked about earlier where it, you know, even Donald Trump recently did an interview with Axios and it, this just came out last day. I think it's being published right now, but he, he, he's talking with the Axios CEO. Um, his name is Casey right now. And you know, the Axios CEO is why do you have to be so bombastic? Why do you have to be, why do you have to go there? And Trump's like, that's what fires up my base. And it's what you mentioned earlier that those marketing hit points of being able to fire someone up to get them to buy something, whether it's a political concept or whether it's a car or whether it's a, you know, what, what you're trying to sell, you've got to be able to hit that target. And the one thing you do learn in sales, and this is probably why I see through politics more than most people do, is you learn that if, you know, like if, if I'm in the, if I'm selling you a car and there's a process we have to go through, there's the financing, you know, and there's a, there's a whole thing. Even, even during the sale, like if I sell certain services, there's sometimes where the buyer starts to get off track and go, is this really my identity? And you as a salesperson have to go back and bang that button to remind them as to why they made that buying decision again. Right on. And then they're like, oh, 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 yeah, that's the hot button right there. Yeah, and now I remember why I do that. Uh, and when I do long-term contracts, long-term sales relationships with people, there's a lot of times where as a salesperson, I have to be really good at getting back to that. Otherwise, the sale can go off track or they, they go find somebody else um, or they, they, they decide, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. And you're like, well, all right, yeah, there goes the thing. You know, I, I think some of my longest customers for our companies back in the day were um, un, until we shut them down. Like we had some of the same clients for 13 years uh, with my social media business. I've had the same clients for uh, up to eight years. Um, and, and part of through that whole process is sometimes you have to go back and you have to hit that button as a marketer, you have to know what that button is and remember what their hot button is. So you can realign and resubmit that sale and, and, and keep, um, helping them accomplish what they do. Cause it is interesting how people do forget what they're, what they're, why did I do this in the first place? Yeah. They get distracted. I think you've identified something very interesting, which is when a sales goes sideways, Yep. There's been a disconnect from your identity. Yeah. It's kind of how my relationships work. After a while of not having sex, I'd be like, why am I here? And then the girlfriend would be like, oh, I should probably, yeah, probably service that uh, accessory. And then and you get service, you're like, oh, this is why I'm here. <laughs> and when your identity is in alignment, then it's easy to make those decisions. Yeah. So uh, we should probably wrap up the show because they're going on forever, but we got to have you back, Mark. We, we should probably do a show at a thing. And when we have you back, we'll, we'll do that segment of the show we discussed pre-show um, about uh, the what's in people's background. Oh, yeah. Because you have a very interesting thing going back there. That's probably a whole hour right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, listen, what we talked about before the show is, Chris says, what's that stuff behind you? What's that stuff behind you segment of the podcast? And, uh, I started what the fuck out. is going on behind you? <laughs> so I started pulling out weird sh- shit that means something to me and, and yeah. uh, is not stuff you see every day. So when you're dating on Friday nights. And so that's a teaser for the next show with Mark Smith. Be sure to tune in for that. Mark, give me your plugs one more time so that people uh, can right. look you up mm. on the interweb. So probably the coolest thing is if you run a company, come hang out with me. I help executives think like a, st- a strategist. So if you want to up-level your mindset, your skill set, and your tool set to run a 
sustainable, scalable, profitable, and ultimately saleable company. Come hang out with me. It's the executive strategy summit.com. I do it every uh, four times a year, maybe even more often, but that's really cool stuff. Check me out on LinkedIn, marksonlinkedin.com. I'll take you straight to my profile. You know, find me, Mark S.A. Smith. If you don't leave out the S.A., you'll, you'll find all kinds of uh, football players and basketball players that have way better social media than I have. That's that is funny. I googled you, Mark Smith, and I came up with a with a guy who plays basketball, and I was like, "That's clearly not Mark Smith." Clearly, especially, especially African American, and you're yeah. clearly yeah, I'm a white guy. You're clearly a white guy. Um, yeah, yeah. although I don't know, the, the, the basketball star seemed like he might be more interesting because he could tell <laughs> me about groupies and how to play basketball. But uh, I, you were here, so that we may do. So everyone check out Mark. I follow him on Facebook. He's a great guy. He posts a lot of intelligent stuff, unlike me, so that's why I like following him because he makes me feel better about my identity. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, Mark's yeah, on I, fb.com. Mark's on twitter.com. Like, yeah. I'm like, I surround myself with people smarter than me so that I think I'm smart. That's that well, true. you know, that's, that's really a great thing to do because if you're the smartest person in the room, you need to change rooms. That or you need to, you know, you need to go see a psychiatrist about order your nihilistic narcissism. Order a drink. Yeah, yeah. See a fucking drink. <laughs> <laughs> that actually should be how that joke ends when it comes down to it. Anyway, for those of you, uh, be sure to check out Mark, of course, and appreciate him coming by the show. Appreciate you guys as an audience for tuning in. Hopefully you've been entertained this far. I think you have. If not, uh, see a psychiatrist. Um, you can find me on Bumble and Tinder. <laughs> And match.com. You won't find me on eHarmony because I failed the test over there, clearly. <laughs> if you've been listening to the show, you know I did. Anyway, thanks for tuning in, guys. We certainly appreciate you. Be sure to show, <laughs> refer the show to your friends. Jesus Christ, if you listen this far, you know where to find it. It's on Spotify and iTunes and Google Play. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We'll see you next time. <laughs>